We are not an easy hit because we know something better than what the devil has to offer because we have found the sweetest love available to mankind here or hereafter. And it's the love of the beloved shepherd. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. No matter how great the temptations the enemy throws your way, He who lives within you is greater than he that is in the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, from the Song of Solomon. Last time on Life Talk, we ended with the Shulamite, who is a type of the church, testifying of the greatness of her beloved shepherd, who is a type of Jesus, to the court women who illustrate the world. She perfectly pictures how the church should witness of her great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. But now the Shulamite is about to experience the greatest testing of her life. Solomon seems to have been moved to jealousy over her love for the shepherd, and without warning, he appears and begins to court her aggressively. First, he tries flattery. We're going to see how his flattery resounds, then how it is rebuffed, and then how it is resumed. This is better than any soap opera you could watch on TV. So let's jump right into the message, an hour of testing. This is about an hour of testing in the Song of Solomon. We're about to see the Shulamite get tested in a way that she has not been tested before. Now quickly, before you're seated, let me just remind you the main characters once again. The scenario is this. You have the Shulamite. And when you hear Shulamite, think church. Think you. Then you have Solomon. He's not a good guy in the Song of Solomon. hate to say it. He's the tempter. He's worldly. He's carnal. Tonight we're going to see him get almost gross in his hitting on this woman. Then there is the shepherd. And when you hear shepherd, think great shepherd of the sheep, our shepherd. And then we're going to talk about the court women again. The court women are all throughout this book. The court women represent citizens of this world, worldly people who have no interest in the shepherd whatsoever. They are completely given away to Solomon, who is a picture of the tempter. And they don't understand the Shulamite's love for the shepherd. They just don't get it, okay? And the scenario is the Shulamite has been kidnapped away. We're going to see her talk about this tonight. She's been taken into Solomon's pavilion. She's being held captive. She's being sorely tested. And in the end, the shepherd's going to take her away. The whole thing is a picture of Christ in the church. Okay? Solomon's pavilion is a picture of the world we live in. Now, last time, we ended with the Shulamite testifying of the greatness of her beloved shepherd to the court women. I mean, she gave a testimony of the beauty of the shepherd, the appeal of the shepherd, the attractiveness of the shepherd, and the whole thing is she's bragging on the shepherd, just like we ought to be bragging on our shepherd. The court women is the world, so she was testifying, witnessing to what she had found in the shepherd. Now, I'll tell you, church, we're not in a bubble. 
We're not in a subculture where we're in our little bubble here and the world's out there and never do the twain meet. We're supposed to take what happens here and build a bridge to out there and testify to the greatness of our shepherd. This is the Shulamite, a picture of the church. She's bragging on the shepherd. She perfectly pictures how the church should witness of her great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. But now, in this portion of Song of Solomon, the Shulamite's about to experience the greatest testing of her life. And I want you to notice when it happened. Right when she was finished testifying of her shepherd, her beloved, the enemy struck. I learned a long time ago, fierce attack comes at one of two times, right before a great victory or right after a great victory. Well, hers came right after a great victory, testifying to these court women about the shepherd. Guess who shows up now in all of his pomp and splendor? Solomon, the tempter. He seems to have been moved to jealousy over her love for the shepherd. He heard about how she was bragging on him and being an ego tripper like he was. He couldn't stand that she was bragging on another man more than him. Okay? Without warning, he appears and he begins to court her aggressively. Now, I want you to notice the first thing he tries. We're going to read it in just a moment. But the first trick in his bag is flattery. Flattery. We're going to see how first his flattery resounds, how it, how it reverberates and has impact. Then how she rebuffs it. And then we're going to see how he resumes it. And remember, when we see the work of Solomon here and how he approaches her and attacks her to seduce her and tempt her, it is a true picture of the devil, Satan, our adversary, and how he comes against us. So he tempts her, she rebuffs it, but he doesn't give up easily. He comes back again. Now we must continue to remind ourselves that Solomon is not a type of Christ in this song. Uh, the coarse, C-O-A-R-S-E, flatteries he uses are those of a seducer, not a savior. This is not a picture of Jesus, Okay. His boast about the number of women he has already conquered is not the kind of boast that we would want to attribute to Jesus. He's like an athlete bragging on the number of women he's been with. That's not Jesus. Now look what he says. He begins, and boy, he is pouring it on, folks. Chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. Oh, my love. You are as beautiful as Tirzah, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. And you thought awesome was 21st century talk. He's like, you're awesome. Now look at verse 5. He gets me here. Turn your eyes away from me, for they have overcome me. You want to say, please. Turn your eyes away. I can't take it. Melodrama. Then here he goes, your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Gilead. Any woman in here ever been told that her hair was like a flock of goats? Just wanted to be sure. Now here he goes with her teeth again. I guess the way they complimented women in the Old Testament, we don't do now. Any of you ladies ever been told, hey man, your teeth are something else? No way, but this is what he's doing. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep which have come up from the washing. In other words, they're white and they're straight 
Everyone bears twins, and none is barren among them. In other words, you don't have any missing teeth. Thank you, Solomon. The more you talk, the more I'm blessed. Verse 7, like a piece of pomegranate are your temples behind your veil. Now, some of the things Solomon says are not inappropriate. What we just read is kind of corny, but it's not inappropriate yet, okay? They are, in fact, similar to what the shepherd said to her. Now, I want you to catch this because he's echoing the words of the shepherd, her beloved. And that ought not surprise us. Why? Because the tempter is rarely original. He's rarely original. Most of what he promises us in the hour of temptation are cheap imitations of what the Lord offers his children. Have you ever noticed that? He doesn't have anything that he made up. He copies Jesus and he copies God. Satan is more a copier than a creator. Now, I want to preach him down and preach Jesus up tonight. It's the truth. What Satan uses against you and me, he stole from God. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a masquerader. He's the great pretender. But very little that he says is original and very little that he says is new. The things that he defeats people with today were successful a thousand years ago with people. He doesn't need a new bag of tricks because the old one works just fine still. So on top of that, he repeats himself so that he really becomes stale and he becomes boring. You stop and think about how the enemy has tempted you throughout your life. And I guarantee if you stop and think about it, very little of it is new at all. It's Pete and repeat, 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 repeat. And as soon as he can decide and figure out that it doesn't work anymore, he might try something new then. But as for now, it's stale. C.S. Lewis says in his great book, The Screwtape Letters, that pleasure is God's invention. Okay? Satan didn't make up pleasure. God did. And that all the tempter has to offer is a wretched and inferior substitute. That's it. Solomon describes the Shulamite as imperial in her beauty. He is bragging on her. He tells her that she had vanquished him, devastated him, conquered him, and marched all over him. I can't even look you in the eye. Turn away. So the flattery resound. You can feel the impact of it. He's pouring it on. He's using the best that he's got. He senses that she's slipping away. He knows of her bragging about her beloved shepherd. So he thinks, man, you know, every other woman I've ever gone after, it was no problem, no contest, no battle. It was easy. But this girl, this is the one that got away. This girl has something the others didn't have. And what is she a picture of? The church. See, when you're in the world and you don't know God, it says to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You have such a hungry soul when you're in the world and don't know God that you will go to drugs, you will go to alcohol, you will go to endless illicit relationships, you will look here and look there and look everywhere, and you can find some of the most wretched stuff, but it's sweet to a hungry soul. But when you know the Lord, the devil runs up against something that he's not used to. We are not an easy hit. Because we know something better than what the devil has to offer. 
We're not starving like the world. We don't have a lack of hope like the world. We're not looking for love in all the wrong places like the world because we have found the sweetest love available to mankind here or hereafter. And it's the love of the beloved shepherd. Okay? So he runs up against a problem with this Shulamite. Solomon's not used to this. And the devil runs up the same thing with you and me. Now, all this flattery is aimed at breaking her down. In the Proverbs, Solomon wrote about flattery, and he could well have aimed his words at himself. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. Flattery is very dangerous. Let's read what he wrote, for instance, in Proverbs 26, 28. He said, a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Now, think about that, because a lot of us like to be flattered. But can I tell you something about flattery? Flattery is wrong because flattery is a lie. It's an embellishment. The person who flatters has a motive, an ulterior motive for flattering you. Let's look at another verse. Solomon, the flatterer, and Solomon wrote this. And again, quote, a man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. He's spreading a net. And when the Bible talks about a net, it's talking about a trap. So when flattery is used, it is with the intent of putting a trap in front of the person you're flattering because there's something you want from them and you're using flattery to get it. Okay? And we're all suckers for flattery. All of us are. Somebody comes along and brags on us. Immediately, it weakens us. So Scripture advises to be very, very wise and cautious and discerning when somebody is really cranking the flattery up towards you. What are they after? Well, Solomon was after her, and he's flattering her. And by the way, flattery, another angle to it is this. Flattery usually focuses on what you and I didn't have anything to do with. For instance, she didn't give herself her looks. She was born with these. God gave her her looks. And all he's talking about is her looks. She didn't have anything to do with that. Complimenting somebody is saying, man, you did this well, that well. You really surpassed yourself. You did a great job. You have wonderful character. That's compliments. Flattery is when I'm out to get something from you, so I'm going to butter you up and melt you down and put a net under your feet so that you are so taken with what I'm saying, you give me what I want. And that's what he's doing. Flattery is praise designed to deceive you into doing what the flatterer wants you to do. You know, I read a story a while back. Uh, somebody had gone out and interviewed ladies of the night. How do you do what you do? How do you get these men? Oh, that's easy. I just tell them something they want to hear. And men are just dumb and dumber <laughs> and don't realize there's a hook. Oh, you men say amen. You think you're a big hunk of burning love? Let me tell you, find somebody who loves you for you, okay? Not a flatterer. Now, it's a form of lying, flattery is. It's a form of lying. But it is harder to detect and resist. Men love praise, so they're easily seduced by flattery. Here's flattery. It's poison in a spoonful of honey. That's flattery. So be smart. Be wise when it comes to flattery. 
Now next, oh man, he assures her, you are first in my life. How many of you ever heard that? Not only flattering her, but he wants to know, you are numero uno. Verse eight, he said, look what he says now, man, okay, here's what he says. There's 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. He's bragging on his track record. The margin of the companion Bible renders this phrase. I have three score queens, 60 queens. Now, he's trying to win this girl. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's thinking. He says, he says man, uh, uh, you're beautiful. You're this, you're that. Your hair like a flock of goats and all this other stuff. And he says, let me tell you something. At home, I got 60 queens, 80 concubines, and virgins without number. You are lucky to even be in my train of sight. Stupid. (laughs) So we could put it this way. 60 queens had Solomon, 80 concubines, and maidens without number. This is a revolting and an arrogant thing for him to say. But that's because he was arrogant and carnal and revolting. He almost wears a proud sneer. Quote, he's like this. I got plenty of others, young lady. You clearly don't realize who you're talking to. That's the feel of it. He's essentially telling her that even though he's got plenty of women waiting in the wings, she gets to be first. As if she's going to go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Out of hundreds of women, I get to be first. For how long? Solomon counted on his way to talk to her. This is his speech he thought ahead of time. He stopped at the number 140. And you, he tells her, can be number 141. (laughs) Wow, what, what an honor. Come on, ladies, what an honor. What more could he do on his belt? 140, one more notch, and it's you, baby. You're number 141 until 142 comes along. The arrogance of the devil is all over this man. The devil would love to add the church to his own harem of the bound. Do you know that? Here's the application here. He's trying to seduce the Shulamite into his harem, the Shulamite's picture of the church. Don't you know the devil would love to win over the church? And when he wins over portions of the church, you know, they depart from the faith or put the word of God aside or go off into some kind of a backsliding condition. He loves to bring what used to be people that love the Lord into his harem. This is the picture. This is what we're seeing. This is what this book is about. The devil has a real celebration in hell when he can get somebody who used to praise the Lord, live in the word, pray, go to church, lift their hands, love Jesus. If he can lure them away into his harem and make them number 141, that's worth more to him than all the 140 because that was a Shulamite. Don't kid yourself. He's out after you every single day. He's out with the same message. You are really something. What are you doing wasting your time in this church? You are beautiful. You are handsome. You are gifted. You've got so much to offer to the world. How come you're not out partying and having fun and really experiencing the nightlife and all the things the world has to offer? You are being so wasted in the church, so wasted in this religion, so wasted in this fanaticism. Why don't you come away with me, my beloved? And he wants to make you number 141. 
Solomon is sounding like a man at an auction putting in his bid for the Shulamite. And she can not only be first by count, but oh my, she can be first by contrast. In verse 9, he contrasts her. Look at this. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her, the favorite. And here again, we see Solomon copying the words of the shepherd. I want you to catch this. He's copying the words of the shepherd to the Shulamite, hoping that she will hear the voice of the shepherd in him and be deceived to come to him. He so reminds her of the shepherd. Church, listen to me. The devil does the same thing. He comes to us. He's a masquerader. He's a liar. He is a pretender. He is a master at disguising who he is. He tries to get as close to the voice of the Lord as he can to lure us away to him. And what appeals to us is he sounds like our shepherd. The shepherd has said to her, open to me my dove, my undefiled. What did Solomon say at the beginning of verse 9? My dove, my perfect one. What had the shepherd said to her? Open to me my dove my undefiled. Do you see the similarity? He is literally mimicking the shepherd to try to steal her away. Solomon stole the same language to hopefully endear him to her. This is what the cults do. The Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they all try to sound like the Lord. They try to sound like Jesus. They'll say, oh, yeah, 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 we believe in Jesus. And and they say things that they'll quote the Bible. Listen, the devil will quote the Bible. The devil knows the Bible better than a lot of Christians do. I don't know about you, but I can so identify with the Shulamite as she struggles with Solomon, who is a picture of the world and its temptations. And I'm also very encouraged to watch her rebuff all of his temptations in favor of her shepherd, who is a picture of our Lord Jesus. This book just gets better and better. Now, don't touch that dial just yet. Our announcer has some great stuff to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, an hour of testing. Until then, may God's rich blessings be yours. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand, today's broadcast, or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. 
You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. An hour of testing is the eighth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.